0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode 20 of Bible and Breakfast. Uh, really excited to have Malcolm Huckabee with us today. Uh, Malcolm is currently a college basketball analyst for ESPN and ACC Network, uh, played college basketball at Boston College, and spent a little time playing professionally as well. Uh, Malcolm, thank you so much for taking some time with us this morning. Oh, Andrew, a pleasure to be on with you. Yeah, so obviously, you know, we're, we like talking about the Bible a little bit in our faith. And, you know, I know you as a man of faith, obviously, uh, you get to uh, exemplify that every day um, in your job. But um, what are some things that God has been teaching you recently, you know, whether it's through this, this crazy time in 2020, or just something personally, uh, but would you mind sharing a little bit of what God's teaching you?
1: Well, I think it's, um, he's always reminding us that he's in control. uh, And that if you put your faith in him, uh, that things typically work out. Uh, it may not be exactly how you want them to work out, but um, he always seems to find a way to kind of teach you lessons. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's, it's it's I won't say easy, but sometimes we forget um, that he is in control. And uh, for me, um, you know, when bad things, I would say, or, or lessons happen in your life, um, he always has a way at the end to kind of remind you that, um, you know, yes, I am in control. And this is exactly where I want you to uh, kind of be. And and he kind of gives you the strength that you probably a lot of times didn't even realize you had um, to make it through some situations.
0: Has has your faith been something that you kind of grew up with? Was it a family thing? Did your parents go to church? Or did was there a moment in your life where you kind of said, man, I, you know, I need Jesus. I see who he is. I, I need him in my life. Can you kind of share a little bit about your testimony and how you came to know Jesus?
1: Yeah. So my uh, mom and dad, um, I'm originally from Bristol, Connecticut. And uh, every Sunday we were in church. And matter of fact, I just ran into my uh, high school coach uh, and we wouldn't practice on Sundays uh, in high school. Um, My dad was like, look, um, you can do every other day, but Sunday's a day for us to worship and uh, be in church. Uh, And my brother Martin, uh, there was an article my mom keeps, keeps every a uh, newspaper. I don't know if your, your parents were like this, but oh, every yeah. article, um, but there's one that she has up on her wall is an article. Uh, and I think the, 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 the topic where the, the headline was heavenly sent talent, heavenly sent. And it was an article on me and my brother, Martin and my brother, Martin carried a Bible around with him in high school. Uh, and we're talking mid eighties uh, you know, this guy would carry around a Bible um, you know, and you know, it, it was something that everybody noticed the teachers, the coaches, um, So it was it was uh, everything in our life as a kid growing up. Um, would I say we, um, you know, were were people that preached it all the time to people? No, but I think we tried to let our actions um, speak a lot louder. And like I said, my brother Martin carried a Bible around. Uh, and, and for me personally, um, you know, my story with basketball um you know really kind of exemplifies my faith Um, as you mentioned um, i played uh, at boston college Um, never injured a day before in my life Uh, never missed i think i missed maybe one practice with like a sprained ankle and then my um uh, third year professionally i was playing in italy actually playing against my new bowls team and um that's kind of when my story i guess everybody has a story uh, my story of kind of leaning on my faith began. I had a uh, uh, ankle injury um, that similar, maybe even worse than what Dak Prescott, we witnessed yesterday, where my bone basically popped out of my ankle, um, triple fracture, tibia, fibia completely uh, messed up. And, um, you know, to, to add kind of uh, to, to, the, to, to the chaos when I was in Italy, um, I was speaking through a translator, right? So I'm in a foreign country, Uh, trying to speak through a translator, trying to explain what happened to my foot. Um, And uh, long story short, a a triple fracture, a really bad ankle injury um, turned into a staph infection. Um, And now I'm in Italy trying to speak through a translator. uh, And my mother says, I probably should write a book on what happened. But um, I'm going to all these different specialists in Milan and Rome. Uh, they're trying to figure out what's going on with my foot. And finally, I called my uh, team doctor at the time uh, from Boston College and said, hey, uh, you know, Malcolm, you got to come home because we can't diagnose you over a phone. Well, when I got home, uh, when they looked at my ankle, she's, you know, uh, Dr. Diane English, she said, look, I've never seen an ankle in my twenty, you know, nine years at the time of doing medicine. A longtime doctor had seen Larry's Bird's foot, McHale. So I've never seen ankle look as bad, and uh, the worst part is you have a staph infection, and we think we we have to cut your foot off um, and um you know it was one of those things where um that's when I realized you know my 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 faith uh you know uh, leaned on it so I prayed went back cried um, you know was very nervous obviously this was a career ending at the time we're talking mid 90s so uh, the technology was not as advanced as it is now and um you know, somehow, again, I don't know, uh, Dr. English still to this day, when I see her, we, 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 we smile, um, don't know how my foot was saved. Um, I was uh, fortunate enough to be able to try to go back and play and then had a cup of tea with the Miami heat. And, 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 and then, you know, again, the ankle came back. I was like, Nope, I, I don't want you to go down this path. And, um, uh, that's what ended my basketball career. Um, and, um, I look back at it as, yes, I was disappointed that I wasn't able to, um, you know, Eric Spolstra, who won a, uh, who was in the uh, you know NBA Finals last night, was the video coordinator at the time when I was a, a member of the heat. And um, you know, I was upset. Um, you know, I'd be lying to say, questioning God, uh, why me? Why did this happen? I was you know at the pinnacle of my career um, and thinking, hey, I just was there, you know, playing for Pat Riley. Um, you know, just had signed a contract and, uh, boom, it was gone. Uh, and, and I think it goes back to my earlier point. You ask, well, what has, you know, my faith or, uh, what has it been teaching me? Well, I think it, it just is a continual uh, thing where whether it's pandemic, personal strife, uh, job, it doesn't make a difference. Uh, God is always in control. And, uh, uh, if we lean on him, Uh, then he always, uh, it seems like, always kind of gives you something a little bit more and kind of surprises you with something that you weren't expecting. And uh, that's what's kind of led to um, a long career in financial services, which, again, something that I wasn't thinking about when I was playing professionally and then uh, working at ESPN, a place that, uh, Andrew, by the way, I grew up right around the corner uh, from ESPN as a kid. Never stepped foot in there until about uh, eight years ago uh, when I started working as an analyst.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's an incredible story. And, you know, I'm on the same page with your mom. I definitely think you should write a book and I would be (laughs) the first one to go pick that up because that is incredible. Did you ever feel during that time when you were going through the ankle injury and, you know, didn't know if your career was going to be taken away, you were kind of in that balance? You know, a lot of people, players, coaches, they get their identity kind of wrapped up in what they do. Did you ever feel like, man, you know, my this is what I do. What do I do next? Or did you always kind of have a sense of this is God's hand on my life or kind of what was your mindset as far as it goes, you know, with your identity wrapped up in basketball? Was there any of that going on?
1: Absolutely. Of course. Uh, I I think I'd be lying to say that I, I mean, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'd be lying to say if, if, Uh, I didn't question God, Um, you know, uh, I I think Steve Nash had a great quote uh, the last uh, when he got hired by the Nets. He said, you know, somebody asked him about when his career ended and he said, athletes die uh, two deaths.' And and I think for me, it was like dying. I remember sitting in Pat Riley's office, called me in uh, and you kind of knew players knew like, hey, when Coach Riley called you in. uh, It wasn't something good uh you know typically he just talked to you right in front of the team or pull you in right after practice and um you know he was like hey huck I gotta let you go um you know my ankle was really um you know I remember we were in Seattle I didn't know what arthritis was uh believe it or not and my I developed arthritis in my ankle um mm-hmm. based on this fracture that I had in Italy and and um <clears throat> for me um I think the the biggest thing that I had to go through was that's all I had done up until that point from high school, junior high, college to professionally now pursuing that dream. It was really singular focused. I'd love to tell you that, you know, uh, I went to Boston College. Uh, My parents did, but I, you know, I'd love to tell you I went to Boston College because it was a great academic institution and I was going to be able to use this network to have a financial services career that started off at Merrill, the Bank of America's private bank to uh, now at a firm called Capital Securities. And I, I'd love to tell you that, but that was not the case. I was really singularly focused on trying to be the best basketball player I could be, play professionally, and then I was going to figure it out afterwards. And then God had a different plan for me with this. And again, I had never been injured, um, you know, up until that injury in Italy. And then that kind of spiraled into this kind of long, uh, you know, uh, Nagging uh, thing, and Andrew, eventually, when we meet each other face to face, I'm gonna show you my ankle. Uh, if you've ever seen um, uh, that movie, um, God, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on it, but uh, I think it's Professor, uh, it's with Eddie Murphy, where at times his ankle, his whole body explodes up. Well, my lower leg look like uh, basically a football at the bottom. My sneaker wow. untied itself, and it still looks like a little softball down there. Um, and uh, you know. It's one of those things where I found out that my identity basically had died at, at, up until that point. Um, you know, um, I was pretty much a basketball player. That was my uh, focus. Now, I had some other God given uh, skills. Um, thank goodness for my parents, where I was a pretty good student as well, too. But my focus at that time was basketball. And uh, I would um, I think a lot of players talk about it now, but I struggled with depression. Yeah. Um, you know, I struggled with, OK, who am I? What am I going to do now? I'm 26, 27 years old. I've been playing basketball up until this point. What am I going to do? You know, what, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? So, um, you know, that's a long winded way of saying, yes, I, I went through all kinds of emotional, um, physical pain, uh, spiritual pain. Um, it, it was a really dark and difficult time for me making that transition.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And as anyone who's gone through an injury or has a health a health problem, that that's clear, man. You you go through those emotions, but it is so cool to see when you know when we do shift our focus and our mindset onto something that is lasting. You know, basketball is not lasting; it ends. But Jesus is lasting, and it's so cool to see how you've shifted that mindset. Um, you know, you mentioned as you played for the Heat, and I wanted to ask you a couple basketball questions here. Um, obviously. The Heat lost last night. Eric Spolstra has done a heck of a job with that team. You were there when he kind of got his start and everyone Mm. talks about his story and they talk about, yeah, he used to be a video coordinator, but you were there. You saw who he was, what he was doing back then. Can you kind of have a twofold question for you? One, can you talk a little bit about Coach Spolstra and maybe uh, what you've seen, what you saw in him back in the mid-90s and how you've seen him grow and what makes him special? And then also touch a little bit about that heat culture that we hear so much about, uh, with Pat Riley. Cause I know you had, you know, had that experience playing for him and being part of that in the early days.
1: Yeah. It's a, uh, I, I smile every time I see Eric, we know him as E or Spo. Yeah. uh, you know, um, he was the guy that would work us out breaking down videos. Um, he would work all of us out, uh, during, uh, during the summer and, uh, first and foremost, just a uh, a fine human being, um, a really just a good, genuine person. You look at him; um, I see how he carries himself. He was like that, uh, you know, way way back in the mid '90s when I was down in Miami. Um, I think the culture um, really comes from Coach Riley. Um, you know, listen, I remember the first time I went down there uh, for uh, the, the prior season. I actually went back overseas, but I was in their training camp. And then um, it, it was a lockout at the time. And I was just like, look, I can't hang around. Um, I'm going to go back uh, overseas and and, and and obviously make some money. But the Colt, I mean, it's Pat Riley, right? I grew up, every guy who grew up Lakers, you know, that whole Showtime LA, um, you know, and he just has that presence about him that um, number one, um, he was ahead of his time in terms of doing his due diligence uh, on players. Um, we had guys like, T.J. Brown there down the team, um, Alonzo Maureen, uh, Jamal Mashburn, uh, Tim Hardaway, guys that were veterans, guys that were he didn't have to really uh, yell at him. I heard him yell one time uh, my time down there. Uh, I won't mention the player he was yelling at, uh, but uh, I, I heard him yell one time and it was one of those things where uh, he didn't really have to. Stan Van Gundy was the assistant coach. Bob McAdoo was the assistant coach. Um, but the culture was. I think he was ahead of his time. I mean, he would check your body weight. Um, You had to click pass a physical before you actually began training camp. 17s. If you ask any player who played for Riley and say, Hey, how was your body feeling after those 17s Um, making it through his training camp? um, You know, uh, it's funny this past year, I went down before all the pandemic hit. I went down to the Lakers game um, uh, when they were down in Miami and, you know, me and Jamal Masper and my former teammate hooked up and we were laughing about the 17s in training camp where they had cots set up in the gym. We slept in the gym one night wow. um, and then woke up the next morning around six when did our three a day. And um, he was fanatical about your body is your job. That was his theme back then uh, your body is your job. Uh, yeah. And, um, you know, he made sure and held guys accountable for making sure your body weight. Uh, making sure you're conditioning, uh, but more importantly, and I think it's the attention to detail. um, In practice, in college, I played for a great coach, Jim O'Brien, at Boston College, a guy who played for Bob Cousy, played in the ABA, played with Will Chamberlain, and uh, he's got some great stories and a great basketball mind. Uh, But Riley was just, I mean, the attention to detail, you would get pluses and minuses for missed blockouts, Hey, you gambled on a steal. Hey, you, you know, uh, you, 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 you didn't run a play the right way. You didn't lock and trail on a offensive player coming off a pin down screen. I mean, there were, there were so many things that he would call you out for and this is in practice. I mean, Mm -hmm. we're talking, you know, not even in the season leading up to the season. I mean, he was like, listen, if you don't do it right all the time, uh, then it's going to be slippage in the game. And, um, to me, I think that's what the culture was, which was everything was monitored. Your food intake, um, you know, how, you know how your weight was during the season, to little things. And again, you know this, Andrew's a coach. Hey, a guy tries to cheat on a pin down screen. Guy fades. That's a three. You know, um, you would be judged on every actual play, and they were they were monitoring everything. So there was no. Uh, time for, hey, I'm going to be lazy into the practice and have a breakdown offensively or defensively. And, um, again, the guy's obviously one of the greatest basketball minds ever. And, uh, to me, he was really, really good to me, um, you know, afterwards uh, when when my career ended. Um, and, uh, again, yeah. I just feel extremely blessed I was able to be a part of that.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure when you were going through, you know, when you were there and, you know, Riley being so demanding, you talked about the plus minus, you know, every, everything matters. Everything's charted. Everything is recorded. Did you feel at the time being a, you know, a mid 20 year old, was that bothersome to you while you were in the moment? Like, did you guys all buy into it? Or were you like, man, this sucks. I hate doing this. And then, so kind of give me your mindset in the moment and then how you've seen that pay off as you've, you know, grown the last, you know, few years.
1: It's uh, you know, that That's such an interesting question because i I try to think back to that time when I was playing college professionally overseas and then down uh with miami, and you know it's such a blur um you just did what you had to do right so i was um i came from again i think a, a really great college coach where again it was the attention to detail um you know you're playing against the georgetowns of the world you're uh, you know my second college games down at Duke. Um, you know, so it, it was that attention to detail kind of was already into me, but I think it was more when you're down there. There's a lot of different things going on, right? And I think it's basketball. You got your personal life, um, but when you were in the court, uh, when you stepped into the the Miami Heat practice arena, or you were in the old American Airlines Arena uh, down there. Uh, Riley's thing was you didn't even think about anything else. You just knew, hey, listen, you're there. You're there to work. Uh, you get in. And, uh, you know, I didn't look at it as a, a. oh, my goodness, this is terrible. It was, hey, you got to do what you got to do. I'm going to make sure that I'm going to be ready because, again, the last thing you wanted to do, uh, and obviously I was a free agent signee at that time, uh, technically a rookie, even though I was overseas a couple times. Riley didn't want to hear me coming in saying, nah, coach, I can't go today because, you know, uh, I was out at uh, on South Beach last night. Or, hey, you know what, coach? You know what? I, I feel like not getting over or locking and trailing on the screen. Or, hey, you know what? When I set that pin down, I'm just going to be a little lazy, uh, you know, when I set my screen because, you know what? I had a rough night last night. So you know, it, it didn't even cross my mind uh, not to go hard. It was just – that was just expected of you. Um, and I didn't really think about anything else other than, Hey, I'm going hard. I'm bringing it every day. And, you know, the team, I think that goes back to the culture guys like PJ Brown, uh, guys like Dan Marley were down there guys like, you know, Alonzo morning, like they were no nonsense guys. So it wasn't like it was in a practice where you had a bunch of guys that were like, you know what, I'm just going to go do my own thing. Pat Riley wasn't trying to hear that. There wasn't guys that came in that were, hey, you know what, coach? I don't feel like running this play today. You know what? I don't feel like doing this today. Um, Everybody was on the same page, and you knew you had to bring it every day. If not, you were going to get sent home.
0: Yeah, no doubt. That's awesome. And it's so – you know, you still see that culture living up today with that team, and Pat Riley has obviously established that. Uh, Transitioning kind of into college basketball, um, obviously – been a lot of adversity this, this summer with not only COVID, but now teams trying to figure out scheduling the season got pushed back two weeks. You know, the transfer portal just kind of been crazy. Uh, waivers are being given out left and right, but what are some things that you're seeing that, you know, some teams are going to need to overcome this season in order to be successful? Um, the, you know, the teams who are going to be there at the end, what did they do this season to, to get to that point?
1: Well, I think, you know, in some ways I think you're gonna see teams a lot more locked in. Uh, and I know this might sound a little crazy, but I think, you know, you know this, Andrew as a coach, you know, over the these holidays, a lot of times there's less people on campus, there's less interaction, they're not gonna be able to go to parties, they're gonna have a lot I think a lot less distractions. So I think you're gonna have a lot more teams uh and players locked in. Um and you know, I think um The teams that can avoid having players, uh, number one, opt out. But I think, number two, I think um, players that actually buy into this, hey, we're all in. Because let's face it, um, we're talking about college kids. And um, they're going to have a lot of restrictions on them. They're going to have things where they can't go out and be, whether it's Um, social events, I'll call, Uh, you know, going home, um, they're going to have a lot of things, restrictions put on them that I think the teams that actually buy into it and the programs that are able to create that culture, since we're talking about culture where, hey, I'm all in, I'm going to take care of my body, I'm going to make sure that uh, I'm not putting my teammates and my coaches at risk, um, then I think, uh those are the teams that are gonna actually do well. And I think a lot of ways coaches might actually like this because they're not gonna have to deal with some of the other things that they would have to deal with when uh they're not in the gym. Um and, you know, I think in some ways that's gonna be a good I think from a from a basketball standpoint, look, at the end of the day, the most talented teams I think are going to 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 or always eventually and the ones that are well coached. Uh, in conference play. I I think that's always going to be the one, the key factor. Um, But I think we're in uncharted territory, and I think there's going to be a lot of moving pieces because we see it now, whether it's NFL, um, you know, Major League Baseball, um, guys are, you know, um, that you're going to have to quarantine if you come down with this. And, you know, now you're talking about losing three or four, maybe even potentially having to cancel games because, uh, you know, you have a team that's been impacted by this COVID situation. So I, I, I think overall, though, if everybody's able to, to, to stay free uh, from from this COVID, I think you're going to see a lot more locked in um, players because, again, there's not going to be nothing else else to do on campus. Uh, they're not going to be able to uh, move around freely, um, you know, as they would before.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And you kind of, you know, you, you specialize with the ACC and that's the conference that you spend the most time with. What's kind of your outlook on the ACC and, you know, who do you feel might be the top two or three teams that rise to the top?
1: Oh, you're putting me on the spot already. Well, I I think
0: I'll I'll put it, I'll put it this way. Obviously,
1: um, you know, when you're talking about bringing in freshmen, you know, Duke and North Carolina, their classes, they're going to bring in some really talented players. Um, I think, because of maybe there's some interruptions never count out a team like of Virginia. Look, Tony Bennett, uh, you know, another person who talks about his faith all the time. Um, you know, I, I think just the way that they play um, the way that they defend and, and, and the way that they actually force you to run your offense. Um, I think they're always going to be a team um, that's going to be really dangerous. And in particular, when there's interruption where, Maybe there are some games where uh, some key people are missing on some of these teams that are projected to be at the top half. Uh, I just think a team that is going to be they're going to make you grind out offensively all the time. They're going to they're going to defend and then they're going to have shorter possessions. Um, I think early on a team like that probably is going to do better because let's face it, there's going to be a lot of uh, disruption on um, the way teams can practice leading up to it. amount of time guys can get some of these underclassmen in there. And, you know, again, I think uh, teams that play that type of style um, more defensively uh, teams that are going to make you uh, stretch out possessions a lot longer. um, And then the scoring is going to be lower in those games. I think those teams are going to be the teams that we're going to get. So, but I'm not going to give you somebody who I'm not going to give you a prediction because I think this year, more than any year, I mean, who knows? I mean, we can have games where, you know, teams are playing with, you know, Ah fifty percent of their players, you know where you know typically you know guys have at least twelve, you know you know twelve people dressing. I mean who knows there might be games where they might have seven healthy bodies uh you know to to actually suit up. so uh, it, it's gonna be a very interesting year, but obviously, uh, I'm hopeful and uh, looking forward to this this season kicking off.
0: yeah, I think that word interesting is definitely the best word to describe how this year is gonna go is we're you know, we're all trying to figure out. Uh, how to finalize schedules and and how it's all going to play out. But Malcolm, thank you so much for for taking some time with us. Really appreciate hearing about your faith and your your journey through your injury and just hearing your take on on basketball. So really appreciate you taking time to be with us today.
1: Well, hey, thank you so much for having me. Really, really enjoyed the talk.